Well, good morning, Vineyard family, and welcome, Holy Spirit, because we're going to need him today as a teacher. I'm going to conclude our message series, Tested, and address a serious warning from Scripture. This is actually Jesus speaking in that text in Luke 4, and he says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Wait a minute. I thought we've been talking about us being tested. What does it mean to put the Lord to the test? You know, is that wrong? Why is it important? Well, let me just give you a little bit of a definition, okay? When we find ourselves in a tough situation, like a wilderness of sorts, okay, and God isn't doing what we want, when we want, how we want. I mean, it, it, Satan can tempt us to test God with the question, are you here, Lord? Again, it doesn't really seem like it. Now, testing the Lord is a bit more serious than just asking that simple question. Usually it's asked with more like of an attitude or a accusation. Like, okay, Lord, things aren't going great. I mean, I know you're great, Lord, but... Where are you? And like, seriously, if you are here, what about healing my cancer, saving my marriage, protecting my family, delivering me from this mess? Are you here? If so, show up and do what you say you do. Be who you say you are. Are you really here? Well, the short answer to that question is yes, he is here. He's here for you. He's here for me, even when it doesn't seem like it, doesn't look like it, doesn't feel like it. He is here. But today's message is do not test the Lord. What I love about the Lord, he doesn't just give us do nots. You know, he always gives us the alternative. Do not test the Lord. Trust him. So Holy Spirit, we ask you, teach us afresh. What does that look like? Trusting the one who died for us, who lives inside of us, who overcame all tests. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit, as our teacher come today. Fill us all that Jesus might be glorified in our lives and through our lives. In his name we pray. Amen. I thought it might be a good idea, because this is the last week that we're going to be in this series, that I just review the entire text because we've been using the same text from Luke 4. And so if you have your Bible, I am reading in the ESV version. It will also be on the screen. And this is what it says. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I'll give all this authority and their glory for it's been delivered to me. I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written. 
You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And now here's the third test that we'll be looking at today. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they'll bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Okay. So in this series tested, we've looked at the the different tests that Jesus endured in the Judean wilderness and what we can learn for overcoming any test. And let me just remind you, these are real tests, okay? This isn't just play acting. What Jesus endured in that desert, and Julie shared with you last week, she and I had the privilege this summer of actually being in the Judean desert. And it's hot, it's dusty, it's desolate, okay? And Jesus is there for 40 days. It's a real test. I don't know if any of you suffer from test anxiety, I do. (laughs) I don't want any tests. But thankfully, the one who overcomes all tests lives inside of us, right? So the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And there it was that Satan tempted him. Now, I think it's important to note the Holy Spirit doesn't always lead us beside still waters and into green pastures, okay? Not always. Okay, why is that? Why, Why does... The Lord tests us. Well, obviously he knows, but he wants us to know what's in our heart. You know, what is it that needs to be transformed? You know, what is it that he wants to deal with? Why? Because he wants to fully trust us with more. Okay? So it's important. Thankfully, Jesus, as a human being, remember, all God, but he set those divine privileges aside. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit and he faithfully overcomes every test and now empowers us by that same spirit who lives inside of us to overcome every test. We're going to look at the last test today, and it takes that unusual twist in that Satan tempts Jesus to test God. So is it ever acceptable to test God, to like demand, like prove you are who you say you are? Prove, you know, you are what your word claims you will do. Is it ever acceptable? Yes, one time. So I'm going to take a brief rabbit trail and then come back to the message. But you want to know the one time we are actually invited to test God? It has to do with our money. (laughs) Of course, because what? The love of money is the root of all evil. And this is what the prophet Malachi says. Chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. Wow. Bring the whole tithe, 10% of our income, the first 10%, into the storehouse, God's house, 
the local church. We give to God through the local church. He says, test me in this. And it's a test of faith for a lot of us. And then he said, watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to open the floodgates and pour blessings into your life. I want you to know, Happy and I have been doing this for over 40 years. It's 100% true. He opens the floodgates. He pours into our life. We've proved him over and over. That's the only time it's acceptable to test the Lord. So do not test the Lord is a serious and it's an important injunction from God. So when we're in the wilderness, when we're in a time of vulnerability, a time where it's tough, things aren't going great, we have a choice. We have a choice. Are we going to test God or trust God? And now, like putting God to the test, I mean, it can involve us doing some drastic, dare I say, sometimes very stupid things and attempt to make God do what we want. I know it sounds ridiculous, but... What did the devil say to Jesus? He asked him to do something pretty ridiculous, right? Throw yourself over and make the father, you know, catch you. Now, I'll just, again, take a brief aside to tell you a very shameful, stupid thing that Happy and I were involved with. Many years ago, we were part of what I would now call a hyper-faith cult. And in this group, you were constantly told Show God. Show God you have faith. Like, you wear glasses. No, you're blind as a bat. You can't see anything without glasses. Well, you show God you believe he's a healer. Throw those glasses away. Sounds similar to the voice of the enemy, right? <laughs> Throw them away. God then has to heal you. I know, doesn't that sound ridiculous? I'm sorry. Thankfully, God rescued us. And, you know, that's kind of funny and most... I mean, to my knowledge, no one ever got their eyesight. All I know is a lot of people in that group went around like this. Yeah, yeah. And there were a lot worse things that happened. No. Let me give you a more contemporary illustration that many of us could identify with or we know people in our lives. Of course, the last two and a half years have been a wilderness of sorts. Lots of tension. Tension in our country. Tension in politics. Tension in our health our families, our work. I mean, across the board, we've been, you know, beat down. Many of us, we're weary. It's been a wilderness. And it can be very tempting to say, are you here, God? Because it sure doesn't look like it, right? Didn't you promise us peace and joy that your burden is light? Sure doesn't feel like it. Now, that can... It's okay to have an honest conversation with God. I'm all about that. No faking it till you make it, okay? Pour out your heart. But you see, it can easily bleed over into an attitude. Really, God? You know, a little cynicism, a little complaining. Are you really here? I mean, you're going to have to show up. And so what do you do? I'm done. I'm not going back to church. I'm done reading the Bible. You know, he's just going to have to show up. He's going to have to prove he is who he says he is. Okay, that's called testing God, and it's happening all across the country. It goes by a fancy name called deconstruction, and it's real. And, and I'm not in, at all like belittling that. I, I want to 
you know, I want to take it seriously. Just this week, I read an, an article. A lot of these come across my desk. And this was a very well-known, not well-known to me, but uh, a former Christian rocker. He was a lead singer of a group called Hawk Nelson, John Steingart. I don't know if any of you knew him. He was a pastor's kid, uh, you know, a devoted Christian. But in the past couple of years, he's been deconstructing his faith. And now he's no longer a believer. And when they interviewed him and said, John, like, what, what compelled you to do that? And he gave different reasons, but I thought these were extremely insightful. He said, well, first of all, I don't believe in God anymore because the problem of evil. And evil's rampant. And we know more because of media, but it's rampant, okay? Number one, I don't, the problem of evil. Number two, you know what? This, this word doesn't make sense. There's a lot of irregularities. It's like, I agree, the Bible can be confusing. If you don't have the Holy Spirit to help you read it, it can be really confusing. But number three, this is what I want us to get today. Why did he decide to abandon faith? Divine hiddenness. That means God doesn't seem to be anywhere in sight. And he's done. So this is serious. Are you here, God? All right, let's see what Jesus can teach us, okay? And what he can empower us to do. As we said, he's in the wilderness, been there over 40 days. It's hot. He's thirsty. He's tired. The enemy's there. Now, this is going to be the third test, okay? And, you know, right before this whole incident, he had that marvelous infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Father said, you're my beloved son. In you, I'm well pleased, well, it sure doesn't look like it now, right? And so this is the test from Satan. And he, that Satan, took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. All right, this is important, this location. He takes him out of the wilderness to the pinnacle of the temple. The temple is obviously extremely important uh, building in the middle of Jerusalem on the holiest spot in all of Jerusalem. And the pinnacle is the highest point. But more important than that, as any good Israelite, any good Jew would know, the temple is what? Where the presence of God dwells. God is here. Okay. Which makes the, the test very, very serious. So I thought it'd be interesting, again, just because I got to actually see the pinnacle of the temple this summer, to uh, give you a brief glimpse with this short video. This is our amazing, Holy Spirit-filled, Messianic, Jewish, Cambridge-educated guide, Sonia. And we are there at the pinnacle of the temple. Watch. So what is the pinnacle of the temple? And we are actually right here, right below here. This is the pinnacle of the temple. This is about 200 meters drop. Look at, look at the top. Look how far it actually This is actually the highest point of the temple mount, and what we call the pinnacle of the temple. So I hope you can get some sort of idea as you look up it's very high. And with Satan's, you know, uh, attempt 
to get Jesus to do what he said. He says, you know, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. (laughs) And that would have been very dangerous, obviously. It's the pinnacle of the temple. Now, I think it's very fascinating. Satan has said this several times to Jesus. He says, if you are the son of God. See, identity is really, really important to Satan. Why? Because he longed to have the same intimacy, the same relationship as a son or daughter that we have and that Jesus has, obviously, with the Father. So if you are the Son of God, then why? Why don't you make Daddy prove he is a good father? He seems pretty absent here, you know, in this wilderness. But here's your opportunity to give him the chance to show, nope, he's right here. He's right here. Make Dad Prove he's not an absent father. He will rescue you. Do something dangerous. Show off so he has to show up. Then Satan does something you can't ignore. He backs it up with the Bible. Okay, he knows the Bible. And that's often is what makes it difficult for us because we have scripture. Isn't that what God said? But you see, that's you need the whole Bible, okay? And you need the Holy Spirit, right? Because Satan quotes Psalm 91, and he says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they'll bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. He's essentially telling Jesus, prove, prove this is true. Prove God's word is true. Prove he is who he says he is, a good dad. And Jesus answered him, It is said, you shall not put the Lord, your God, to the test. So why is this a test? And why is it wrong? And in order to really understand it, we're going to have to go to another part of the Bible because Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy 6. And Deuteronomy 6 is a sermon that Moses was giving to the Israelite children reiterating all the lessons that they had learned in the wilderness. And Moses had said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah. Well, what happened at Massah? Well, Israelites, you know, they've been miraculously delivered out of Egypt. God has taken them with signs and wonders, all kinds of miraculous supernatural plagues, splits the Red Sea, cloud by day, fire by night. But now we have to go see, well, what happened at Massah? So you have to turn all the way back to Exodus 17. You need the whole Bible. The Bible tells one story. So we go back and indeed, They've come out of Egypt, but now they've been led by God into the wilderness in the same way that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, the same way that each of us are led by the Spirit into the wilderness, okay? So here they are. They are hot. They are tired. They are thirsty, and there is no water to drink, and there is no nearby Costco. So they're in trouble, right? There's not even a stream nearby. And so they begin to cry out. They begin to complain. 
Verse two, therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? They didn't stop. I mean, they've got babies, toddlers, teenagers. They've got animals. They're all so thirsty. They said, are you just going to leave us out here to die? They keep grumbling. They keep complaining. Moses is like, they're going to stone me, Lord. Most pastors can identify with that. But the Lord now speaks to Moses, verse 6, and he says, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. You shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it and the people will drink. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because all the quarreling of the people of Israel and because, here we go, they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? And that's actually what those two words, Massah and Meribah, mean. Tested and quarreling. Words are really important in Hebrew. Is God among us or not? Oh, yeah, he'd done great things. Part of the Red Sea, you know, delivered us from 400 years of brutal slavery. That was in the past. Oh, I know, he's promised great things for the future. We're going to a land of milk and honey. But what about the present? Because there's no presence of God in the present. But he'd never left. Well, what did he say to Moses? Oh, I'm up here in heaven. I'll do something. No, he said, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock as you strike it. He was right there. He hadn't disappeared. He hadn't gone anywhere. It seemed as though it was, because when they looked around, it was bleak. They were thirsty. They were complaining. Is the Lord among us or not? Now, again, it's not wrong to have an honest conversation with God in tough situations, to ask those questions. But it is your heart. You know, it's the attitude of the heart. It's the willingness to listen. It's like being patient. It's... Will we test the Lord or trust him? Well, let's look back again at Jesus because like Israel, because Jesus parallels much of Israel. They were in the wilderness 40 years, Jesus 40 days. Jesus' present circumstances, they're difficult. I mean, he could have called for a legion of angels. He could have demanded that the father prove he is a good, good father. Instead, when the enemy questions his identity, puts the test before him, Jesus makes his choice. It is this. He trusts the Father's love. Extremely important. It's a love that never fails. Secondly, oh yeah, the Father led him there. Oh yes, it's desolate. He doesn't appear to be anywhere in sight. But instead... Jesus knew the Father had never left him. Secondly, he trusts the Father's presence. Doesn't look like it, but the Father is there. 
He didn't need to prove himself to Satan, to, to, to God, <laughs> to anyone else. He refuses. He refuses to test. He makes a decision to wait. Can I just say one of the most difficult things to do in all of life, <laughs> particularly if you're an American, the rest of faith, resting in the testing is very, very difficult. It is. It's very difficult. But he makes a choice to trust the Father's wisdom. You want to know two amazing results? It's just incredible. That's why you have to keep reading. Now, this account in Matthew, this whole account of the Mount of Temptation, it finishes with this verse. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Oh, you see, angels showed up in God's time in his way, but they were there. And then secondly, this is just as important. Luke goes on to tell us, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee. Wait a minute. See, that's different. When he was led into the wilderness, he was full of the spirit. That's a totally different word. When he's leaving the wilderness, having passed every test, he is empowered. That's the word dunamis, dynamite. He now has power to confront whatever the enemy throws at him and to demonstrate the kingdom of God has come. Do you want to know? This is for us as we pass the tests with the one inside of us who empowers us. We are given fresh empowering. We are given fresh anointing, so to speak. It's all so Good. To obey God brings incredible blessings. Okay, what about us? We're all on a journey. Sometimes it's really difficult wilderness. You all know that. Life can be painful. People disappoint us. God disappoints us. So it seems. You know, we suffer. We encounter unexpected tragedies. Things happen. It we can be tempted to say, you know, are you here, God? Because you don't seem to be. You know, as I meditated on these texts, and particularly the Old Testament story, and just coming through, I, I, I was sobered to realize I've done a fair amount, unfortunately, of what I now realize was testing God. You know, I probably wouldn't have said it that way, but, you know, I was testing God. He wasn't doing what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and I wanted him to show up. And maybe I tried to show off. Don't you see everything I'm doing, God? All the prayers I'm praying or the fasting I'm doing? Don't you see? Thankfully, he's so, so forgiving, so merciful, so gracious. <laughs> so he responds to humility. You know, when we just humble ourselves and say, Lord... I know you love me. I know that, Lord. But this is serious. When we ask, you know, is he here as new covenant believers? This is really serious. You want to know why? Because the shed blood of Jesus is what made it possible for him to never leave us. See, it's the shed blood of Jesus that made us the temple, not just the pinnacle, we're the temple, okay? And he doesn't go anywhere. The shed blood of Jesus made us holy, righteous sons and daughters who now 
can be filled as a home for God. Now, Jesus told his disciples this right before he shed that blood. Uh, In John 14, he said, I'm going to ask the Father. He'll give you another helper to be with you forever. Forever. Don't miss that. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be, don't miss it, in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Trouble does not mean God has moved out. Trouble does not mean he has disappeared. Let me just give you a simple example to close this message from my own life. And, you know, this is just a simple story compared to what many of you are going through or have gone through. Just to illustrate what it's like to be in a wilderness time and how we are tempted to test God. Okay, so several weeks ago, I'm extremely busy getting ready for our annual family vacation to the ocean. And this takes a lot of planning because there's 30 of us and we get a big house on the ocean and I get to do all the things I love best. I get to swim in the ocean, I get to boogie board, play with the grandkids, build sandcastles, catch the crabs, you know, walk on the beach, cook amazing food together, drive 15 hours. Mm, Not so excited about that, but you know, it's all good. I can't wait. Okay, it's the night before. Happy and I are walking around the block as we often do. I made a serious mistake. I did not put on my ASICs. I just grabbed my flip-flops. Not a good idea. Because I come into the home stretch and the tip of my flip-flop catches on the sidewalk and I crash. And right away, I know this is much more than just a little, little stumble. It's serious. First of all, I hit my cheek and my entire, I can't see anything. Everything's bright lights flashing. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's like a concussion. Uh, what's, what's happening in my brain? And then I have pain just searing through my body because I look down and my little finger, instead of like being straight up, is now to the side and it's totally mangled. And then blood up and down, you know, my leg, my shoulder, my big toe is the size of a a golf ball. Needless to say, we spent the next three hours in the ER at Carl Hospital, okay? (laughs) And Satan, of course, he's there right away bombarding me with all the disappointment. You're not going to go. I mean, you've got a head injury, which did allow us to get pushed right through at the ER. That was good because they were very concerned about a head injury. And even if you could go, you're not going to be able to do any of the things you love. You know, you, you can't swim. You can't be in the ocean. You definitely can't boogie board. You know, you can't even build in the sand. You can't hold on to the grandkids. You, you can't do anything. God, where are you? I mean, really, were your angels off duty? I mean, I think I just read to you what he said. They'll bear you up so you do not what? Strike your foot against a stone. I think sidewalks are made out of some sort of stone. Okay, like you're nowhere in sight, Lord, okay? I'm so upset. Now, meanwhile, praise God for an awesome husband. I mean, he is like, die, it's fine. God's faithful. We're going to get this. Don't worry about it. I basically want to say to him, shut up, because I'm mad. No, but he was awesome. 
He was. But that's, you know how that is? Like, you're hurting, and somebody's trying to be so nice. It's just like, I, I'm, I'm mad, and, and I hurt. So I probably wasn't in my right mind. So that's okay. Okay. And we got the family praying, and, you know, folks, don't ever go through the wilderness without a small group, <laughs> you know, or family praying for you. Absolutely. Okay. Because you're not praying at all. You're, you're having an argument. I'm having an argument with God. Okay. Okay, so I'm, I'm quietly complaining. And then I'm like, okay, you know, I'm just going to show God. I'm a big girl here. Yeah, I'm going to show. He's going to come through for me. So I tell the ER doctor, take that little finger, that mangled little finger, and yank it into place. Because my whole thought was, good, then they'll just put a simple little splint on, and I'm off to the races. He goes, well, that could be painful. Do you want, do you want some numbing? Nope, do it. I'm a big girl. I'm going to show off, right? God's going to show up. I about threw up. <laughs> that was not a good idea. <laughs> and it obviously didn't work. <laughs> okay. As we discovered, that little finger is broken in three places. I mean, maybe it was only two and now it's three. I don't know. But it was, it's going to require metal. It's going to require surgery. But I say, please, please, just make me a, a, a make me a, a cast you know just so that I can go out just in a week we'll only be gone a week so they do they and Hap did an awesome job he just was intervening and you know contending for me and they created this makeshift immobilizing cast just to give you an idea you know oh <laughs> take that picture down anyway <laughs> no, it's horrible okay no, folks, I, I got, I, I'm holding it up. I said to her, this thing must like weigh 10 pounds. Oh, when the, when the plaster dries, it'll be lighter. I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't even know how I'm going to go anywhere. Okay. Same three lessons I'm confronted with. How, how do I trust God? How do I manifest trust in him? How do I show trust in him and not test him? And, you know, all the while, his grace is there. You know, his love is there. I mean, it's, it's so good. But same three lessons Jesus had. First, I have to make a choice to trust his love. What do I mean? I am his beloved daughter. I know I don't look like it. I don't feel like it. I am your beloved daughter. I, I do. I trust your love. I, I know your love doesn't fail. Number two, it doesn't seem like you're here, but I'm going to make a choice to trust your presence. Why? I know that the cross was a smashing success. And that he now lives in me. I can trust his presence. And number three, he didn't do it my way. But I can choose to trust his wisdom, right? And I can choose to learn my lesson. And believe you me, I'm always asking him, okay, come on. Because I know you'll show me, Lord, what is it that you're working in my heart? And he did show me. It was very strange to me because this trip that I love and have we've done for many years, I'd been weirdly dreading. I'm like, what? What? What, what, what was the problem? Well, the problem is 
Our big family, we like to say we put the fun into dysfunctional. And we have a lot of dysfunction. We have a lot of arguments, difficult conversations, big personalities. I mean, and it's getting harder because there's 18 grandkids and, you know, it's... And I have an idol that I've had to lay down over and over again. And Julie helped me remember that again last week. And that idol is I want harmony. I want peace. I want everybody to get along. I want everybody to have a good time. And then I take responsibility for making sure that happens. And I was realizing this is going to be a very difficult vacation because there's a lot of places where peace is not going to reign. Well, guess what? Now that I'm immobilized and I have a pounding headache and I basically can't take responsibility for making everybody happy and making sure everyone's having a fantastic time, I guess I'm going to have to choose to trust God for what he has for the week. Well, the good news is, this was the really good news, the CT scan comes back clear, the vision is back, And thanks to awesome Hap, he gently, and now Hap, you know, he can be pretty persistent. He gently demanded that I get a new cast, which which I did. Much more, no longer 10 pounds, you know, just five. So anyway, but my daughter-in-law, who's going on the trip with us, she's an orthopedic physician's assistant. She understands everything, how to wrap it, what to do about it. My two granddaughters say they'll hop in our car and they'll do the driving. I can't drive. I'm like, oh, great. I mean, that did require me to pretty much pray in the spirit the entire time. But they did an awesome job. They did. It was good. And I want you to know, we had the most, the best time in all the years. Glorious. And I had so much joy. And even though I couldn't participate in so many things, I did get to watch. I did get to watch. There they are. That's what I missed out on every day, all day long, but it was good. (laughs) Oh, now I've had the surgery. I'm in a good splint. It's God is good. You know, he can be trusted. He really can. And for many, over 40 years, I want to leave you with this. I pray what Jesus told us to pray. If you don't know how to pray, why don't we pray like Jesus told us? Might be a good idea. It's called the Lord's Prayer, and it covers every aspect of our life. And the last petition in the Lord's Prayer is this. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, I have test anxiety. If at all, I don't want to be led into any kind of testing situation. But if so, Lord, deliver me. And I want you to know he's faithful. You can trust him. He's here to stay. He's not going anywhere. You can trust his love, his presence, his wisdom. He's a faithful father. Yes, thank you, Father. You're so good. And we do thank you. Yes. And we welcome him. You may stand, if you are able, as we sing these songs are so beautiful today, to celebrate. Even when he's hidden from us, we know he is here. He's for us. He loves us. And he will empower us to pass every test.